and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show Podcast. This is your host, Walker Near. Thank you so much for tuning in. On today's episode, I kind of share some more thoughts about um, discipline and, and weight loss and all those kinds of things and just share uh, some stories from my own personal life that have happened since the last time and, and then just some other ideas that I've kind of come across. Uh, as always, today's episode, the music, artwork, and production done by Misha Zarens. Uh, thanks so much again for listening. Enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? So the last time that I recorded uh, by myself, I kind of was talking about um, my own personal weight loss uh, struggles, I guess we can say, and, and kind of some things that I'd been thinking about. And I talked about uh, that Dak Shepard interview I'd watched. I, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see that clip, but again, it's a, a pretty good clip and honestly a really good interview that you can um, listen to the whole thing for free on the off-camera show uh, on their podcast, or you can pay five bucks and then you can have unlimited access to their full-length videos. Um, either way, though, the, the, in that, it was just kind of the idea um, of of just because you failed something doesn't mean that you have to quit. And just because it takes you multiple times of starting and failing and starting again doesn't mean that that, that you're a loser, <laughs> you know? Um, just to, to briefly recap it, basically the, the whole story with Dax was just that he was a a drug and alcohol abuser and, and had this notebook that was, it was filled with different dates where he was supposed to try and quit. And then he, he wouldn't. And so then he again would try later and there's another date and he had a friend staying over and this friend finds the book and sees all these dates and, um, feels like Dax's it, it's a testament to Dax's character and his fortitude. And, and, and Dax is really embarrassed that his friend has found this journal with all these dates where he's tried and failed and tried and failed. But eventually there's a date that's not crossed out because eventually he did succeed. And, and so his friend, you know, starts, gets emotional and, and, and tells him how inspirational he thinks it is. And it just kind of flips it on its head from the way that Dax was perceiving, you know, the event. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's a really powerful concept and something that, that everyone should, should try and, you know, keep, keep in the back of their mind that you're going to have days that don't go well. And, um, and you have to be able to kind of move past that and keep trying. Um, and I actually have had, uh, I had that exact kind of moment myself. So, you know, I, I, like I said, I talked a little bit about m my own struggles with trying to lose weight and, how I had kind of started back in on it, and that's true. Um, I have been successful in, in developing a, a, a very light <laughs> workout routine. I go walk between one and three miles. Um, I've done it so far every every weekday for the last four weeks, so that's been good. Um, but as I said on the last podcast, you know, going and walking a couple miles isn't going to move the needle unless there's significant changes in the realm of the diet as well, because, you know, that's really the biggest driver of it. Um, I watched a YouTube video one time of this guy who tried to burn, I think 10,000 calories in a day. And he just, he worked out for like 24 hours straight. And I think he got to like 7,000, I want to say, 
And I mean, he was literally for 24 hours running, cycling, swimming, lifting, walking, jogging, <laughs> stationary bike. I mean, everything you can think of, he, he did and he filled pretty much the whole day. I mean, obviously he had a little bit of downtime traveling between activities and that sort of thing. But my point is, is that, you know, that's a, a YouTube video experiment kind of thing, if you will. That's not how anyone's going to actually work out right and and so even if you were to work out that hard you're just not going to burn that many calories and yeah i mean to eat seven thousand calories in a single day would be pretty insane uh, but you get the right combination of <laughs> rich desserts or fried foods in the mix and uh, you know it might be doable and again the, the whole point really just being that you can work really really hard physically and you just don't it's so much easier to consume calories than it is to, to get rid of them, you know, especially if you've got extra ones, right? Which is why you're overweight uh, or why I'm overweight. <laughs> um, anyway, so so I had I've, I've been on this this kind of journey and, and, you know, I've really kind of settled in that. That the two things that I've got to, that I personally have to work on the most are um, our, our self-discipline and and then also the idea that I was just talking about with the whole Dax thing and, and kind of recognizing recognizing that my own shortcoming isn't isn't the end of the road. Um, and I'm someone who, probably like many others, but <laughs> at least I can speak for myself, the, the way that I've handled disappointment, my own the, the disappointment, especially that that's caused by me, is to just kind of hide from it. Um, so I'll just try and get into the story to make more sense of all this. So I've been trying to eat better, um, really tried to work on not eating late at night. Um, I have a, had kind of developed a bad habit of just, you know, once it gets later in, into the night past dinner, you know, but I'm, I'm chilling and watching videos or, or doing whatever and I'll go get a snack. Not actually hungry. It's just a snack cause it's, you know, fun to eat something that tastes good. So I felt like that was a big problem, so I tried to kind of cut that out, uh, and then just tried to 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 cut out, if not entirely, at least dramatically scale back to you know once every couple of weeks at most, just junk food stuff, um, you know, donuts or whatever it may be. So this is a, a couple of weeks ago now, but I, I wake up on a day, and as soon as I wake up, the first thing I, I think in my head is that I'm going to go and get a donut. Which was, you know, I'd, I'd really been thinking about not <laughs> not having junk food, not donuts specifically, but really just trying to focus on, on in my mind, just drilling it in that I want to change my, my eating habits and doing affirmations and visualizations and stuff like that, really trying to focus on on changing the way that I, that I eat. And I wake up this morning and, not this morning, but a couple weeks ago, this particular morning, and... Um, yeah, I had, I just instantly had this thought of like, hey, you should go get a donut. It's it's a Monday, so it's not, you know, it's a weekday, so it's not going to be super busy. Um, you haven't had a donut in a while, so it's okay. It'll be really good. It won't take very long, and you know, to run up there and get it, it'll it'll be fine. So wake up, pretty much immediately get dressed, drive to the donut shop, get a couple donuts, come home, eat them feel terrible about it, feel terrible as soon as it happens. And not not physically, I wasn't sick or something, but just emotionally, I just felt bad because 
it's like, why did I, why did I wake up and betray myself? Um, and that's, that's kind of the thing that that's been so hard for me to deal with is, you know, it's one thing when things don't go your way because of things outside of your control, but when things aren't going your way and in my case, when things are going my way because of choices that I am actively making, such as going to get a donut when I'm out here on a podcast and talking about how I want to lose weight. Right. Um, anyway, so I, I, that morning I, I was, I was chatting with my mom on the phone and I shared the story with her and, and told her, you know, I'm really trying to turn this around though. And, and so just because this morning I made a bad choice doesn't mean the rest of the day has to be shot just because I failed. Doesn't mean I have to quit. So I went to the grocery store, got some stuff, came home, cooked a lunch, you know, later in the, in the day, had a lunch at home, felt good about that. Um, and then got some, some good news that, that day in my, my personal life and, um, some work related stuff basically. And I, in my head, I immediately thought this calls for celebration. Uh, you haven't had this is me talking to myself. <laughs> you haven't had uh, bad Chinese food in a couple of weeks. You should go get some. Uh, there's no no problem. And, you know, one meal doesn't make or break the diet, which is true. It's true that one single instance doesn't. Um, but again, this is the same day that I already went and got the donut and already went through this cycle of of self-guilt and, and trying to come back out of that, right? But anyway, so I'm like, it, it's okay. Go get, you know, go get some Chinese food. So I go and get some Chinese food. And then on the way home, I'm like, well, I mean, I already had a donut. I already had this Chinese food. And this is, you know, the day is already shot. So on the way home, I may as well stop and get an ice cream that I can have for dessert, you know, later tonight. So I've went from from having a donut, which was bad enough, and it's two donuts to be clear, which is bad enough in itself, to then going and having fried cashew chicken, Chinese food, which isn't even real Chinese food, right? It's Springfield, Missouri, <laughs> Chinese food. Uh, for those of you not from Springfield, it's kind of like general chicken if you've had that, except a different sauce, but just fried chicken pieces and rice basically is the, the whole thing. Um, and now I'm also going to add on this ice cream to it. And, and so I do these things and I'm, I, I immediately go to where my normal response to that scenario is, which is that I'm not going to tell anyone about it because it's embarrassing. And when not telling anyone about it, I don't just mean externally. I also mean internally. I'm not going to, I'm going to push it out of my mind pretty quickly. Um, I'm not going to talk about wanting to, to be healthier anymore because clearly I'm a hypocrite, right? Because here I am saying that I want to make these changes and then here I am consciously making these decisions. I didn't slip and fall on a donut. You know what I mean? That That's not what happened. I just consciously chose. And, and so the way that I normally would deal with that again is to just be ashamed and kind of push it out and not talk about it and not think about it and just quit on whatever goal it was. Because if I don't have the goal anymore, well, now it's okay to, to, to have this failure because am I really failing if I didn't have a goal, you know, like how does, how does that math work? Um, and so I, I didn't do that this time, clearly, as I'm telling <laughs> all of you, but also just in my personal life, I just, 
I just told some of my friends the very next day, maybe even that evening, but I think it was the next day, I, I told some of my friends what had happened. And, um, and I don't know how interested in it that they were, and obviously they were all very gracious and, and nice about it, but, um, but what I found is that, and it's kind of a, a statement I made a few minutes ago, but it's by being willing to tell someone else, the other thing that you kind of do through that is you admit it to yourself, right? So you, you know yourself that that's, um, that that's the case. And, and so since then, I've actually been, been successful with the diet. I haven't had any, any big lapses since that day. Um, and I think it, it really is because I did decide to kind of lean into my shame and lean into the fact that, that I messed up because, you know, like I said, I didn't fall on a donut. I think a lot of times when these kinds of conversations are had, it makes it sound like sometimes you're going to have days that don't go well because external factors caused that or because you, you had an accident or you made a mistake, right? But what about when it is just you that is picking it? And I think that's one of the hardest things for people to kind of deal with and, and, and get past because you recognize that you're, <laughs> you're responsible for your own problems. And as much as you're responsible for the solution, you're not, you're not getting it done by making these bad choices. I'm not getting it done by making these bad choices, right? And, um, and yeah, so by kind of just being willing to be open about that with others, but more importantly with myself, I just had to recognize that the next day I still had to get back up and try again. And I still had to, to continue doing the work that I'd done. And that just because I didn't make a mistake, I consciously made bad decisions that I have to be able to forgive myself for that. And I've got to be able to move on from that because if I don't, and I instead do what I've always done, which is hide from it and be ashamed of it and quit, well, then I'm never going to get anywhere. And um, and I just think that that's a, a thing that a lot of people probably struggle with. And to be clear, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm not recording this podcast from the mountaintop. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the, what the end of it looks like, but I will say that it felt somewhat liberating to not to not hold on to that shame and to not hold on to that self-loathing and and frankly you know personal disgust because i'm not able to to make the right the right choice kind of leads me into another another thing I wanted to talk about which is that 
Um, I've read a few, I guess you'd call them self-help books recently. And I'm someone that's always been incredibly skeptical of self-help books. Um, I, I, I've always felt like that they're, they're speaking in, in vague kind of platitudes that, you know, offer really broad generalizations, but don't really do a good job of offering specific scenario based circumstance based advice, which to some extent is fair because when the author writes the book, they don't know me and they don't know everyone else. So how could they possibly account for all the different circumstances and in, in the ideas that they're trying to write about principles that you can apply to a wide variety of circumstances. Um, but honestly, I just always have been pretty cynical of a lot of that stuff and felt like um, it was kind of snake oily or something, if you will. But as demonstrated with my donut story, uh, I, I lack a discipline, which is disappointing because there's a South Park episode from like a decade ago where they make this exact point. And I love South Park and remember that episode didn't took me a decade to, to wrap that that lesson around the axle. But anyway, so um, a, a, one of the books that I read is by this guy named Jocko Willenick, who is a former Navy, former Navy SEAL. Um, I think I discovered him probably through Joe Rogan. So you may have seen him there. He has his own podcast as well, the, the, the Jocko podcast. Um, but he has a book called Discipline Equals Freedom. And one morning I heard Joe Rogan and another guy actually talking about that book and on, on Joe Rogan's podcast. And, um, and so I decided to go look it up and it's actually a, a really, a really good book. Now it's, it's, it's strange because it's not written in the way that a normal book is. And what I mean by that is just simply the structure of it is not, is not full sentences and paragraphs and full pages of text. Um, it's written in a almost, almost like a poem. Now it's not a poem. It doesn't rhyme and it is broke up into chapters and, and, and all that. But for those of you who might've listened to the, the master poet episode with Chris Crabtree, who has his, his master's degree in poetry, um, we talked about that and about how on that episode uh, about how really poetry can be defined as something that's not prose. So if it's, you know, prose being full sentences and again, paragraphs and the, the typical organization of writing that you would expect, if it's not that, then, then it must be poetry because if it's got line breaks and different, you know, in random space or not random, but, but spacing that wouldn't be, be acceptable. And again, prose writing, that it must be poetry. And, and that is how this book is written. So again, you could argue that it is, I, I showed it to Crabtree and he, he said if he was just glancing through it and just looking at the layout of, of the different pages, that he would agree that it looks like a, a poetry book. Anyway, that's a tangent. <laughs> the whole, the, the point of the book is not an exercise in how to write something that looks like poetry, but isn't. Uh, the point of the book is to talk about the value of discipline and a point that he makes is that the, the, the thing about motivation is that motivation can be very fickle. And so a person could, um, a person could arguably have motivation and, and be very empowered by that on one day. However, the next day that motivation might be gone. And so if that happens, 
then you're kind of stuck because now you don't have the motivation and that was all that you were relying on. Whereas if you can build discipline and build habits and routines, then it takes the feeling kind of out of it. And and so instead it just leaves you with, you know, the action. Um, and so if you can build discipline, it, it's just much more reliable than motivation. And I thought that made a ton of sense. Um, he also talks about how, you know, in humans, there's the capacity for both, you know, very strong emotion and very strong reason. And that, that those two things really have to be used in conjunction to, to balance one another. And so an example he gave is that, you know, maybe, um, maybe your emotion needs to be overruled by your logic sometimes. So an example would be like, let's say you're, uh, you need to go, you need to go work out, right? Well, emotionally, you don't feel like it. I don't feel like working out. Well, really what a person should do in that time is then really try and focus on using their logic to overpower that emotional response. Because logically, it doesn't matter if you feel like going to do the workout, you need to go do it because you've decided, or in my case, I need to go do it because I've decided that there is a, a value in going to do the workout on a consistent basis. And it's independent of how I feel about working out on a day-to-day -day basis. There's a goal that we're trying to get to, and this is just, you know, the exercise or whatever it is, is the vehicle by which we're going to get there. Um, so sometimes your feelings need to be overridden by logic. And, and to kind of pause for a moment, I'll say that that's, you know, it's a concept that I'm sure many of you, if not all of you, are familiar with and have thought about, but I certainly have, and I've always kind of landed in the camp of wanting, um, landed in the camp of, of, of wanting to think that logic was was the, the best one, that it was kind of binary, that emotion is flawed and emotion is, is a you know, animalistic almost thing, a more primal thing that, that doesn't take any context into consideration. And so that logic is what a person should use all the time. But really, that's not accurate. And, it, and that makes sense because, as I've said, episode after episode, just like <laughs> the point that Dylan Barr made several episodes ago, Dylan Barr, Man of Mystery, you should go check that episode out. Um, there's just a balance in everything. And, and so that makes a lot of sense that there's actually a balance even in, in that concept that it's not just that you always want to be logical. And it would also be true that you don't always want to just be driven by emotion, but instead there's there's a, a place for both. Um, and so the, the example, you know, the other direction would be, you know, like my diet thing. Maybe I want to go have the donut and logically... I can, just like I said earlier. I mean, it's it's literally the logic I use to go have Chinese food in my <laughs> my fail day, um, where it's like, well, one one meal doesn't make or break the diet. One one meal isn't what makes me overweight, um, and that's true logically in a vacuum, right? <laughs> But so when that happens and when you've when you've reasoned yourself into a place of of making a bad choice, that's when you can rely on your emotion, actually, to overpower the logic, over, rely on the emotion, get angry at, at the donut, get angry at the, the, the fried chicken, get angry at whatever it is and 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 use the emotion to ride um, to, to kind of ride the momentum of, of staying on the path that you want to stay on. Now, again, you know, that's 
words written on a page, uh, which is different than actually executing it in, in your day-to-day -day life. And, and so, um, you know, I don't share these, again, I don't share these as a, <laughs> as the guy who's been there and done it, um, or the guy that, that's, you know, holier than now now or telling you how it is, that's not where we are. Maybe in a few months we can get there, right? Maybe eventually I'll be thin and then I can, can be the guy who, who's been there and done that, but that's <laughs> absolutely not where I am now. And I'm kidding, I hope to not become insufferable uh, upon becoming more healthy. Either way, um, Discipline Equals Freedom by Jocko Wilnick. I think it's a, a really, really interesting look at, at the, the concept of discipline and a really interesting look at the ideas kind of surrounding what it is to be disciplined and what it is to be motivated. Um, now, he is a military guy, so I will say that a lot of it is written in the context of, you know, he talks about holding the line against the enemy, but then defines the enemy as the urge to have the donut, right? Um, but, he, but he talks about, and, and it it resonated so much because just like on that, that, that fail day that I had, what he talks about is the reason that you, that you do these routines and that you try and build these, this discipline is because you don't know when the enemy, I'm using air quotes around the enemy there, but the, you don't know when the enemy is going to attack. You don't know when when it's going to happen. And so you just have to be prepared all of the time. You have to be vigilant all of the time in order to, to obtain, to maintain, I, I guess I should say, in order to, in order to beat the challenge when it arises. And if you don't have that discipline, then you have a day like I had where you consciously maybe even make bad choices. It's not just an enemy attacking and you're <laughs> overwhelmed by some external thing. It all might be, you know, in, in your own head like it was with me. Um, so, yeah, I, like I said, I think that it, it, there's a, a, a really great message there. I highly recommend that you check out the book. It's a it's actually deceptively short. <laughs> Uh, the book isn't long anyway, and probably the last third of it is actually just all workout routines that he suggests. Um, and even then, though, even in the, the main body of the book, if you will, because of the way that it's written and the way it's spaced out, and he, he uses big, bold fonts in the middle of a page sometimes to emphasize a point. Um, all of those things make it for a pretty short read. I mean, I, I read it in uh, uh, over a few hours and a couple of days, and then actually just immediately started reading it again and have continued to just kind of read through it. I'm just kind of treating it like, a, I don't know, like it's something I'm studying, I guess, because even though I read it and even though I understood it, I, you know, I, I want to internalize it because I actually want to, to think the way that he thinks, or at least, you know, that's probably never gonna happen. <laughs> but <laughs> to be to be honest, I'm probably never gonna gonna come across like a Navy SEAL. Uh, and that's probably okay. I probably don't don't want or need all of that. But um I I, I at least want to move closer to that that way of thinking about things. Um and you know I also had kind of a, a, a moment with it where I realized that there are other people in my life that that struggle with um, 
sometimes in some cases it's literally the same thing with me like with weight loss but but if if anything there's a common thread with some of my friends and family where you know it's that that idea of like feeling bad about choices that you're consciously making that don't align with your stated goals and and i realized that because i've never figured it out it also makes it impossible for me to help them and that's really disappointing because I think it's easy whenever you don't like something about yourself to to deal with it, to be like, meh, I can, I can handle that. If it's only affecting me, then I'll suffer the consequences of it. But when those consequences extend out to now, there's other people that you know and love and care about and you can't, uh, you can't really be there for them. And it's not that you can't be there for them in a supportive way. But you can't help lead them out of the of the place because you you're still stuck in there, you know. <laughs> so I, I can't show you how to get out of the maze. I'm in the maze too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's just been kind of my 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 inspiration lately is is trying to to make it so that I don't have to dislike <laughs> my own self, and so I can help the people that I care about overcome that stuff too. And not that I you know think I'm going to write in on a as a some white knight or something and, and, you know, <laughs> cure all depression or something like that. But just, just even being able to say I've been there and this is how I overcame it is so, so much more powerful than I've been there and I, and this is how I think you could overcome it. But I don't know because I haven't done it. Another self-help book, I guess you could call it, that I've read is called um, The Miracle Morning. And it's written by this guy who was pretty successful in sales, early 20s, gets in a horrible car accident, on death's doorstep, recovers from that, builds a new coaching company, um, is back on track. And then 2007 slash 2008 happens with the recession. He loses most of his clients because his coaching business was a more affluent clientele. They all lost their ass when the markets crashed. So then none of them want to pay him anymore. So now his business goes under and he's over leveraged and and can't deal with that. So um, again, has to rebuild his, his life basically. And, and so what he came to is that he was always reading about like, you know, these different habits of successful people and, and, you know, some people really advocated for meditation and some people really advocated for exercising and some people really advocated for journaling and, and so on and so forth. And so what he did was he just kind of combined the best ideas and the ones that he had found the most meaningful 
and just combined all of those into one routine that he calls the miracle morning. And the idea is basically that you just wake up before you start your, your scheduled day and you, you block out an hour and you spend 10 minutes on six different activities. And those activities are meditating, exercising, reading, uh, journaling, visualizing, and then doing affirmations. Uh, and he has a clever little acronym that is different than, <laughs> than that. I think it's, yeah, whatever. It, by the book, Miracle Morning, you can read it there. But anyway, so again, it's exercising, meditating, journaling, uh, affirmations, visualizing. Uh, and, and all of these things are, are, are really beneficial things to do. And, and you're only doing them 10 minutes a day, so it's not... It's not this huge commitment. I mean, it does turn out to be an hour, but it's still just an hour. And in that hour, you you just cover so many different things. I mean, you, you do the reading, and it kind of gets your mind to 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 outside of itself a little bit to somewhere else. Even you know, whether it be fiction, nonfiction, whatever it is, you do the meditating, and it can kind of put everything, and it kind of adds a calm to things. Uh, I actually use this app on my phone called the Prana, P-R-A-N-A, uh, breathing app, and it's got different breathing routines that you can do, and that's what I actually use to do the meditation portion. Um, and then the journaling just kind of helps you get some thoughts out, and maybe, it, you know, uh, sometimes when I journal, I journal like you would expect a, you know, dear diary type entry. This is how my week's going. This is how my day's going, whatever it is. And then other times I find myself doing, you know, writing more for, like, ideas for the show or you know, whatever random kinds of things that, that come to mind, just how I think or feel about something that might not necessarily be related to my day-to-day -day activities. Um, the one that's probably been the hardest for me to get a hold of, but I think maybe is the, maybe the most powerful is, is actually the affirmations. Um, affirmations is, is the idea where basically you're, you're, taking a statement or, or an idea, and I usually will write it out on a whiteboard and then I'm just repeating it. And, and I usually stand up and kind of walk around a little bit while I'm repeating it. But the idea is that you're just kind of trying to drill this into your subconscious, whatever this idea is. And I'd been doing it. And I, when I was, the phrases I was saying were things like, um, uh, I want to eat healthier so that I can be more comfortable in many areas of my life and then so I can help other people be healthier as well. And so I was repeating that. Well, I was talking to another friend of mine about it who's also very into to these things. He's actually the one that introduced me to Miracle Morning. But um, and he explained that that really that's not the, the the best way to approach doing the affirmations, because in saying that I want something to be true, Explicitly, I'm saying that that thing is something that will happen in the future. And implicitly, I'm saying that it's something that definitely is not true now. And so even though it sounds like it's a positive statement of a goal that I want to do, really what's happened is I am also constantly telling myself that it's not true now that it's not true now. And so it's almost reinforcing that idea of self-shame and constantly, constantly, again, in an implicit way, kind of putting, putting myself down, like making sure that I, I remind myself like, well, it's not true right now, buddy. Um, 
And that actually isn't really the best way to approach that because it's not really the goal of it. Instead, the goal is to really kind of to to change fundamentally how you perceive these things. And so there, there's a statement that a phrase that I think is from Robert Kiyosaki, but I could be mistaken. But but either way, the phrase is be, do, have. And so the way that people look at things often is, is that if they want to be a certain kind of person, then they want to have the things that those people have. And then with those things, they'll do the things that those people do. And they think that that will then empower them to be that person. When in fact, it's actually the opposite order where really you have to be that person first and then you'll do the things that that person does and that will lead you to have the things that that person has. So an example with this weight loss, instead of thinking about it as a future thing, it's like instead now the affirmations that I use are are that I'm proud of myself for the choices that I make and I'm happy with the healthy diet that I'm pursuing and and I I'm grateful that I was able to to make the changes in my diet to to be in a healthier place but it's basically you're basically creating the reality now instead of casting it into the future you're creating the reality today and saying that today it's already true. And what happens is as you internalize that and as you begin to, to have those those thoughts more consistently, well, now when you go and you're faced with the decision of something that doesn't align with that, it's not as much of a matter of like, well, but I said I wanted to do X, so I can't have Y. I said I wanted to lose weight, so I can't have this, this cashew chicken or this donut, right? Instead, it's, I already, believe that I am this person. I already am happy with who I am. I'm already satisfied with the person that I am because I already believe in my my choices and I already believe that I am making healthy decisions that are in, in the interest of my stated goals. So now what happens is when you're confronted with something that doesn't align with that, it's not really a matter of like guilt or not as much as it's like, it just doesn't align with 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 the person that, that you are that you say that you are and that you you're internalizing that you are and then over time you know i think you become um and again you know this all ties back in with this miracle morning stuff doing these different routines are helpful but they're helpful if you're disciplined in doing them consistently um and so that's why i think those two books a miracle Morning and Discipline Equals Freedom really kind of tie into this whole journey of trying to, to be healthier and uh, and just, you know, I don't even know if, if be happier is the right word because I'm I've, pretty honestly, I've been pretty happy for most of my life, you know, very lucky in that way. Um, but to experience something different at the very least that I, that I want, you know, like when I went to Orlando, I wanted to ride on one of their tiny little helicopters and I couldn't but I was too big which is very disappointing I see the helicopter place right next to my hotel and I'm like oh man this is cool I've always wanted to go on a helicopter I got nothing to do for the rest of the day helicopter place right here let's go I walk over and I don't even remember what the weight limit was but they were like do you weigh more than you know 
250 or whatever it was. And I was like, uh, yep. And they were like, sorry, can't let you on. And then pointed at a sign that showed, you know, the weight limit. Um, that's disappointing. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't soul crushed by it or something, but it's disappointing. I wanted to go do that activity and couldn't. And so, you know, outside of these <laughs> grander aspirations of, of overall happiness and uh, helping other people that I care about, I also just want to go on a fucking cool helicopter ride because I've never been on a helicopter. And if I don't change this lifestyle, I'm probably going to get a helicopter ride, but it's kind of probably going to be via cardiac arrest to the hospital, which isn't the helicopter ride that you want. That one's not baller. Um, anyway, I, you know, you guys will have to let me know. And the, the people that had good responses to the, the episode I did before where I kind of talked about this stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, the walk show is, is such a, a variety show, literally. And, and obviously I like having conversations with people, but I also kind of like exploring this stuff as well. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't really want to make this some personal diary. <laughs> so, uh, you guys will have to let me know, you know, walker at the walk show podcast.com, email me there and let me know what you think. talk about you know maybe just briefly and i think i'll get more into it in another episode in the future but you know that idea i was talking about earlier about how if you're willing to tell other people about it then you're then the first step to that is that you're willing to tell yourself about it right so um to some extent admitting things to others is is almost if nothing else just as important of an exercise because you're admitting things to yourself and it's just kind of this topic of, of communication um, and how uh, it's a fascinating topic to me. Communication is something that is the, you know, the cornerstone of really all social or human interaction. And, you know, maybe that's painfully obvious, but, but my point just being that it's, it's literally the thing that, that fuels all interaction and, and people think of communicating as like, you know, maybe, maybe the words that you say, or maybe an action that you do, or maybe a way that you dress. But I don't know if people think often about the other side of that, which is that not saying anything is communication, not dressing a certain way is communication, not taking a certain action is all of those are communication in the same way that it is if you, if you take a certain action versus, you know, not, um, I had a conversation with a friend recently about if, if he was a good communicator or not. And, and he's a person that's a very thoughtful, you know, well-spoken, articulate person. Um, so he's, he's definitely good at communicating. 
However, just like most people, um, sometimes you'll be frustrated. And this is true of me as well. Like I said, most people, but people get frustrated and or get annoyed and then they don't want to they don't want to talk anymore. They don't want to communicate anymore. They think that it's beneath them or that the other person is offending them in some way. And so they don't feel like it warrants their, their response. And so what happens is that, you know, that, that, that is where the communication fails the hardest is when it simply doesn't exist because someone, well, again, I, I guess I can't say that it doesn't exist, but simply someone's refusing to participate and so what that does is, again, because technically communication always is existing, that makes the other person then form their own series of assumptions about what's being said. I had another friend recently talking about how th them and another friend both hadn't talked to each other in, in a while. And this friend that was talking to me was telling me all about how the other person must think and feel. And it, it just struck me as kind of amusing that here we are, telling a story of two people who aren't talking and simultaneously telling a story of all the things that are being said, even though nothing is being said. And so, uh, and, and, and to be clear, the, my friend wasn't wrong. There are things being said when nothing is being said. Unfortunately, the person who's saying the things through, through silence is now no longer in control of what that message is at all. And so, and now it's just, you know, almost a dice roll on what you're going to get out of it. Um, I would just strongly encourage people when it comes to communicating, you have to just you have to just try and do it. And and sometimes it's hard, and sometimes it's it's painful or embarrassing or tedious. And uh, I, I get it. But the, 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 the thing that you put at risk or the thing that, you, that, that is a likely outcome if there is no communication uh, is, is no relationship. Uh, I won't read <laughs> a full Tool song lyrics again, but uh, there's a song called Schism where he says one of the lines is, cold silence has a tendency to atrophy any sense of compassion between supposed brothers, between supposed lovers. Again, cold silence has a tendency to atrophy any sense of compassion. And, and, and that's my point is with all this is that whenever you're silent, it causes the other person to make a bunch of assumptions about what must be going on, what you must be actually trying to say despite you not saying anything and then that can can lead to the relationship not existing anymore. And maybe that's what you want in some cases. Maybe there's some people you need to cut the fuck out. But, uh, you know, if it's your spouse or your kid or your parent or your brother or your significant other or your friend or your coworker, that's probably not the outcome that you want because um, you're probably going to have to be around them still. And in most of those cases, you probably want to be around them still. And so I would just, again, I would just strongly encourage people that no matter how tough it is, you should just say something. And and maybe the other person tells you to that they don't want to talk to you and to get out. And that's, that's hard, right? Because you're vulnerable there. And it hurts your feelings to be shut out that way. But... I think that that pain is, is a lot easier to deal with than the pain of years passing 
and now the relationship really is damaged. And even if it's not, even if you can rebound, you still just have that lost time. And time's the thing that we can't get back. Time's the thing that we don't have any more of. Um, I don't know. So it's just, it's just, uh, it's just, it can be tough. I, I'll give an example from my own personal life, and I don't know if they listen, so <laughs> I don't know if this is embarrassing or not, but, um, you know, I've got two nieces and a nephew who, you know, now as an adult, I feel like I have a good relationship with all of them, and I love them all dearly, and they're all wonderful people. Um, but when they were kids, they were in a very um, strongly religious setting, and I am very much not religious. I'm much more understanding and, and actually see a lot of value and actually understanding isn't the right word because that makes it sound condescending. I, I appreciate religion now, and I and while I personally don't subscribe to one, um, I respect and appreciate that other people do. But when I was younger, I didn't. And so I was really scared of, of basically being told that I shouldn't shouldn't talk to them about certain things. And so to avoid that conversation, I just didn't, right? I mean, not that I'd never talked to him, but I didn't have a really close open relationship with him because I didn't want to contradict what their parents were trying to do. They're not, they're not my children. You know, I don't, I'm not the one paying for everything and raising them and teaching them about the world. And, and frankly, their parents are very, my sister and brother-in-law are wonderful people who are, religious or not, have always been incredibly generous, sweet people. So it's not like I needed to save the kids from something, you know, I mean, they were all, they're doing great. Um, but anyway, and it wasn't until, you know, they got to be adolescents that I actually really started to, to kind of develop relationships with them. And again, we, we have good, you know, I feel like maybe they'll email me and say <laughs> otherwise. Um, but I feel like we all have good relationships now, but I just I just missed out on a lot of years with them because I didn't I was afraid of something that hadn't actually happened and that was I was afraid of causing a division between me and and them in general when I should have just tried I should have just been more open and 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 went for it and if we would have had conflict then I could have dealt with that as it came um but I didn't and and I have no idea what their impression is uh but they, you know, again, it wasn't silence, but it wasn't, it wasn't this openness. Anyway, all of that is to say that, um, you shouldn't be silent and you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be reserved from people that you love and care about because they don't know what you're, what you have to say unless you say it, but they will think that you're saying something, even if you're not. And as anyone who actually spends any time with me, and maybe you get it from this podcast, I will preface statements a million times before I actually make the statement. And I will really sit and think about the words that I'm going to use to to say something because I want to try and communicate it as accurately as I can. And even then, it doesn't matter. I still say stuff sometimes, and then the other person has a reaction that's very different than what I thought it was going to be. And it's because... I've miscommunicated. I've communicated something that isn't 
what they <laughs> wanted and isn't what I wanted them to understand from what I was saying. And so you got to go back and try again with it. You know, that's another kind of key point, I guess, to make is that when communicating, it's the burden of the communicator to clarify. So if you're not saying anything and you haven't ever taken the time to explain what it means when you don't say anything, which maybe you haven't because you don't know, <laughs> um, then the other person, again, over and over, I'm saying it, but is left to come up with their own interpretation of what it is that you're trying to say. And so then when that goes off the rails because they're mad about something that you think, except that's not even what you think because you just never said it, well, that's on you because you're the one that communicated something through silence and what are they supposed to do? They have to interpret it somehow. And you're the one who wouldn't participate by saying the thing, right? So now you've got to step up and communicate it and then go from there. And, you know, again, maybe for some people that sounds tedious. And all I can say is that, again, your relationships are going to struggle. And I don't just mean romantic. All relationships are going to struggle if that's how you roll in general because – no one knows what you mean. <laughs> it's funny in the call centers I used to work in, you get calls from, from people who have English as a second language somewhat frequently. And so oftentimes it can be kind of hard to understand what they're saying because there's maybe a strong accent and maybe the English is a bit broken up. And then conversely, it's hard for them to understand you because they don't know all of the different words that you're using, you know, especially like, you know, we I used to work for a company that, made and supported notebook computers. And so, you know, you're talking about warranties and and terms and conditions and all this stuff to a, a non-native English speaker that, that, again, hasn't, you know, had the opportunity to master the language yet. They don't know what all that, I mean, hell, a lot of Americans don't even understand <laughs> those words, let alone someone who's, who's trying to learn it on top of everything else, you know, that they already know. Um, and so what happens in those cases, though, is that, you know, I'm the one that's responsible to communicate to them whatever the company's position is on whatever it is that they've called about. And so to make sure they understand, you've got to you've got to kind of speak in, in slower sentences and try and use less complex language. And you've kind of constantly got to ask, does that make sense? Which, again, can be a little bit tedious. But you can actually get through it by doing that. The most common tactic that you see with dealing with the, <laughs> the overseas caller is people will raise their voice. They will talk slowly, but they talk slowly at a, to a point where it's like painfully condescending. Um, and, they, and they just express great frustration. Well, yelling and being frustrated and being condescending don't actually help you communicate anything. It doesn't actually make the other person feel better or more receptive to whatever it is that you have to say. And it's funny because you think of that example in the vacuum of the call center and some idiot trying to talk to someone from overseas and not being able to get through it. But you can actually zoom back out and see that that's just what happens in life all of the time in people in their relationships. One person does one thing, Another person interprets that and is offended by it, but doesn't say that they're offended by it. And see, there you get to go again, right? Like, 
it just it's it's on all parties to communicate pretty much constantly because maybe you're offended but you don't tell the other person you're offended but you assume that they know because you're mad so of course they should know that you're mad and then when they don't know and they don't respond like they would if they knew you were upset well now a whole new set of assumptions comes out that they must not care that much if you're upset and you must not be that important to them and they must not value all these and all of it is just simply because nothing was said a whole bunch of stuff was said when nothing was said um anyway i i think that's probably all i have to say about that for right now um I will continue to keep you guys updated as we go along on, you know, my own dealings with trying to, to build discipline into my life and trying to, to get to a healthier place. Uh, hopefully I can someday take a helicopter ride and, and tell you all about it. Um, really appreciate you guys listening to the show. Uh, it's a, a lot of fun to make it and uh, it really means a lot. So thanks a lot for listening. Have a good one. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode. Again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can always email me, walker at the walk show podcast.com. You can follow us at Facebook at the walk show podcast, Twitter, the walk show pod, uh, Instagram, the walk show. Again, really, really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Hope you have a great day and a great week. Have a good one.